Just sit with that for a moment. Just sit with that long, long, but very profound reading. Your homework assignment, we actually put it on our Facebook page, I think, yesterday, but uh, the chosen episode, sorry, season one, episode eight, the finale of season one, is this episode. And they did a beautiful job of putting it on screen, coming up with the details, but also allowing them, for the most part, to follow the script of the storyline. So watch it if you get to, the one, the one on our Facebook page is just this, this encounter with the woman. Um, there's a lot there. I'm going to start off with one thing, just how Jesus says to her, you people worship what you do not understand. We do understand it, because salvation is from the Jews, he said. But the idea that Jesus and with him the church would say to the world of today, you know that God or the superstitions you have or the way you pray or all these things, you don't understand it. Can we teach you? Well, who are you to think you have the right way? Well, Jesus showed us the right way. So we do have that claim, and we do want to talk about that. I won't go into now, but it's where I start with that. Like the church comes to us with Jesus' own authority to teach a world that doesn't know God and doesn't know how to talk to God or have a relationship with God, much less how to do it. Jesus came to show us, and he dared to say, you people try to reach a God that you do not know and you do not understand. We do understand him, Jesus says, because salvation is from the Jews. And so therefore, the Catholic Church, the community of the faithful, of the Christians, dare to tell the world today, hey, there is a way to come to know our Lord. There is a way to come to know God. There is a way to share in the divine life and love and mercy of God. Would you like to know it? That's where our starting point is. This is this reading, and all these readings today, and this, we're in the Lenten season, and they're trying to open our mind and our heart to understand why does anyone care about Easter anyway? We're like three weeks away from Easter. Who cares? What is Easter? Is this one more day on the calendar? Who cares? What did we ever get from the fact that Jesus died on the cross? Or rose from the dead? Or sent forth his spirit into our hearts at baptism? Who cares? And so the readings are trying to, to offer us some insight week by week. Next week we talk about, I think, the man born blind, and he's healed of his blindness, the light of baptism. Later on, Lazarus, the week later, Lazarus is raised from the dead, baptism that gives us divine life from the dead. We're given back our life. We're born again into an everlasting heavenly life. This is just a, a little a getting into this, this, this water that satisfies a thirst. The image of the woman at the well, that's obviously Jesus talking to a woman. It's a great story in itself. Very beautiful, the way he talks with her, the way he walks with her. You notice who she is and who she isn't. She's not Miss Popular, right? She's at the well at noon all by herself. You know why she was at the well at noon all by herself? Because the people who would come at other hours of the day would make fun of her. Would remind her that, hey, you know, your struggle with guys lately? How many husbands have you had? Oh, that's right, five. No, not five. You're with a sixth guy now. Good luck. They, she didn't want to be with that crowd. She's isolated because of her sins. She's not a saint or a Pharisee or a virtue. She's a broken sinner. Raise your hand if you are a broken sinner. Anybody? That story is our story. Christ comes to meet you at the well. Christ comes to meet you looking over and over again for things that just don't satisfy your heart. You want to do better and you fall again. You want to give up that, that, that bad habit of the way you treat your, your spouse or your, your parents or your friends or your, or your not such good friends or why your heart is broken over what you lost and your, your, your cistern is broken 
And every time you try to fill yourself with water, you have to keep coming back because it just doesn't work. And notice how our Lord starts. He doesn't say, first off, I heal you, you're good, go. He starts by saying, hey, could you give me a drink of water? Such that you would have the choice to say, I'm too busy worrying about myself. You take care of yourself. But Jesus asks, there's a beautiful line in the Catechism, Jesus thirsts for us that we might learn to thirst for him. That he would quench that thirst. But he thirsts first. The idea that God would humble himself to ask you for something. The fact that the church, in the name of Jesus, would say, hey, would you help with this thing? Hey, would you go on this retreat? Hey, would you take a moment to come pray? Hey, would you come receive communion? Hey, would you come to confession? And all of us would have the chance to say, I'm too busy for that. Except that what does the church gain by any of that except a chance for you and me to discover in ourselves a longing that's not being met? All these ways that, the, that Jesus offers us is God, hey, would you give me a drink? Hey, would you do me a favor? Hey, would you serve me in some way? Hey, would you get involved in this, this small ministry so that in dialoguing with him and drawing near to him, in thinking you're doing him a favor, you'd actually discover he opened the door so that he could fill your heart that was longing. You didn't even know it was longing. Ask the people who go on retreats sometimes. They come off the retreat saying, I, A, I didn't realize how beautiful life really is, and I had no idea how much I longed for a deeper relationship with God. I'm almost finished, but I just want to like, just touch on that. And then you watch this woman who starts where she's at, unworthy, sinner, and, and our Lord doesn't ignore her sins. Actually, he goes right there. Go call your husband, he says, which would be a, you know, a normal thing. Hey, you, you're, you're, you're a woman, I'm with you. Why don't you bring your husband into the conversation? Except that Jesus knows very well. Oh, that's right, you don't have one, do you? He doesn't do it to shame her. And I think the, the, the movie, by the way, the, the Chosen beautifully brings this out. He does want her to take stock of where she's at. Broken, a sinner, struggling, not okay. The beginning of a relationship with God doesn't start with, hey God, look how good I am. God, look how many times I, I worship you. God, look how many good things I've done. It actually starts with, God, I need you because I'm broken. That's where he can start. That's where she starts. That's where he brings her so that he can start to work with her. So he goes right to the sins. The front door to the church is the baptismal font, and after that is the confessional, both of which are about removing sins. Start there. So that you can come in saying, I really do need what you came to give me to satisfy my thirst. I'm not okay. And then in their dialogue back and forth, Look at her. Watch what happens to her. Because it's what's meant to happen to you and to me. The water buckets that she came to fill at this, this earthly well of Jacob, what does she do with them at the end of the story? She leaves them. I don't need those anymore. Something happened in my life. That anxiety I had over petty things, I don't have that anxiety over petty things anymore. I realized a deeper thirst in my heart that's now being filled. That anxiety over money, or my career, or my relationships, or my Facebook, or my whatever else, I don't need it anymore. 
She leaves it there and runs off. And what did she say? Let me tell you about somebody who told me all my sins. Why does the Catholic Church always tell you about your sins as if it wants to shame you? No, because that's where you encounter mercy. Otherwise, God has nothing to offer you. But she does. And at the end of the story, she's one of the most zealous disciples of Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. The entire village comes to believe because this unworthy, adulterous woman with a mess in her life came to them convinced of what she had found. And the entire village of Samaria, it seems, by the end of the story, is won over to the way of Jesus Christ. Such that they say, thanks, we no longer need to hear your story. It was great, you told it like 50 times. It is awesome. But now we have our own individual stories of what Christ did for us, and we're convinced of who he is. The whole story is that each one of us, in our own position, the most unlikely disciple of Jesus Christ, I'm mad at God for something. I'm broken for something. I'm struggling with something. I'm not able to come to Mass because I haven't been in confession in 20 years. Something becomes the greatest disciple of Christ. A lot of times we say, well, come on, God could never choose me to do great things. Look at my track record. Look at my life. The reality is the opposite. There's a great line. Every saint has a past. Every sinner has a future. And you and I are sometimes the worst of sinners and the greatest of hypocrites. And our Lord comes to meet us, not in our perfection, but in our brokenness, in our need that is not being filled in this world. We ask the Holy Spirit to really be that water poured into our hearts, the Spirit of God poured like liquid into our hearts, like that baptismal moment, let it be renewed in our hearts this Easter. And this, the life of God is breathed into us anew. That does not be a dead Lent in a sterile Easter, the liturgy is telling us. Let us rediscover, like this woman, why I'm here. What God came to offer me. What he didn't come to offer me. By the way, you don't see God saying, I'm going to refill those water buckets every day. You'll never have to have any need whatsoever. He says, no, there's a deeper need that I came to fill. And those other petty needs will matter much less when you see what I'm giving you. Let us rediscover the gift of God. If he's, Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, you would have come to me asking, and I would have given. When we come to Holy Communion in just a few moments, let us realize what we are doing. It is not an extra. If you know your heart, if I know my heart, the blood and water that poured forth from the side of Christ, Holy Communion itself, it's a renewal of this gift if I know how to receive it. Let it not be sterile when I receive it, but let it bear much fruit in the change of my life, just like her life. To be a life that brings God's light and love to those around me. Amen? Amen. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph.